to the bag drop, untold stories in golf. I'm your host and co-founder of New Club, Matt Considine. It's that week again. Most golf purists and Lynx lovers' favorite of the year. We're talking about the Open. It's at St. Andrews, returning to the mother of golf. And to honor the occasion, we welcome our fellow members and founders of Adamson Lynx in St. Andrews, Scotland, Graham Dalton and Andrew White to the pod. Before we get to the show, there is an announcement we've been promising for the past three episodes. And so today, I am very pleased to announce the introduction of our newest tradition here at New Club, the pilgrimage. St. Andrews, the town is synonymous with the game of golf. Bobby Jones once said, a golfer's journey is never complete without a visit to the sacred grounds of St. Andrews. There are golf clubs within this town by the sea composed of golfers who have been quietly preserving the culture for hundreds of years. Our name, in part, pays tributes to one of these clubs in particular, a place I was fortunate to be introduced to as a young man and a people that represent the very best elements of our game, the new golf club of St. Andrews. Their clubhouse sits alongside the 18th fairway of the old course, as it has for 120 years. It's a welcoming place for townspeople and visitors from all walks of life to share this game and each other's company. With prestige and history that's almost tangible the moment you walk through the door, uh, they've had honorary members that have included old Tom Morris, Bobby Jones, Sandy Hurd, Arnold Palmer, and currently Mr. Tom Watson. Now, as a member of New Club, you are invited to make the pilgrimage to the home of golf, to play the timeless links courses of St. Andrews, and spend time with the golf club and the membership that has inspired our own. The New Club Pilgrimage. It's a six-night trip to St. Andrews. Airport transfers to and from Edinburgh, accommodations at the Ardguin Hotel in the heart of town, and, of course, the golf. We're playing them all. The old course by ballot, the new course, Eden Course, Jubilee, and Castle Course, plus a little day trip over to a place called Carnoustie. We'll play match play competitions held throughout the week with temporary membership for everyone at the new golf club of St. Andrews. Uh, we'll also have a welcome reception and a closing dinner at the new golf club with our friends here on the pod. Uh, there are requirements for the pilgrimage. You must be a member of a new club for more than 12 months, and members can only participate in the pilgrimage once. We're doing that for a very specific reason. We want as many people to have this opportunity as possible. We'll be releasing the itinerary and pricing in an email to membership this coming week. And it's been decided our captains, the elected uh, Thomas McCartney of Chicago and Scott Ford of Atlanta, will be our first pilgrims. And along with them, six additional members on for joining them for this maiden voyage. The date for the first pilgrimage is set July 9th, 2023 through July 15th. Uh, the registration for the pilgrimage will open this coming Monday, 718, right after the, we, they crown champion golfer of the year. Uh, that'll open at 11 a.m. Central, 12 p.m. Eastern on Monday, the 18th. Over time, along with our friends and hosts in Scotland that you'll hear from today, we hope all our members will have this opportunity to experience the very warm welcome and genuine golf culture that permeates St. Andrews. In future years, the club will offer the pilgrimage multiple times per year. Uh, we want to accommodate a variety of different member schedules and price points due to shoulder and off-seasons. Groups are going to remain intimate for this one, allowing for the complete immersion of the golf and culture in Fife. 
I, I can't express how much this celebration and opportunity for our membership means to me personally. You know, my life was irrevocably changed back in 2015 from a six-night trip uh, very similar to this one and and face fateful visit to the new golf club of St. Andrews. So now for, for our members to have the same warm welcome and the access to our, our friends through Adam Adamson Links, it's just there are no words. And something that so few, I think, get to experience in its true authenticity. Uh, and I just hope more of us have this opportunity through the new uh, new tradition that we're calling the New Club Pilgrimage. Today's episode of The Bag Drop would not be possible without our friends and partners of this July's official summer medal in Northern Michigan, Journeyman Distillery. Now, without further ado, on to the show. Graham Dalton, Andy White, Adam Smolinks, welcome to the Bag Trap. How are we this morning, gentlemen? Oh, Max, yes, we're good. We're um, just here in a sunny stroke, sort of rainy St. Andrews, but that's the summer for you here in beautiful Scotland. And uh, But we're well, we're delighted to... Uh, to be welcomed on to the bag drop with yourself. So thanks very much for having us. It's good to have you, Andy. How are you doing? Yeah, absolutely, Matt. Thank you so much for having us on and, and greetings from St. Andrews. It's, uh, as Graham says, one of our traditional Scottish days with some glorious sunshine and some torrential rain. So, uh, so yeah, living the dream. Always sunny in Scotland. That's how absolutely. I understand. I've never seen much rain there myself. Um, well, it's a, it's a pleasure to be with you guys. It really is. I think we've all gotten acquainted over uh, the last several months, and we had our international fixture to uh, to St. Andrews already in May. Um, was welcome to the new golf club where you're both members, and we got something pretty exciting at the tail end of this. We get to announce with our members, and, and uh, we'll get to that. But first, we're talking at a very busy time here in St. Andrews. Uh, the Open Championship. Maybe you've heard of it. It's coming through town at a place called the Old Course. I'm just going to go right off the bat. Uh, who's going to win this thing? I don't know if you guys are gambling men, but who who you like? Who you like around the old? Well, I I, I always like a, a flutter mat, but I'm not very good at it at all. So fortunately, there's not much money goes uh, goes over the bookie's desk. But uh, um, and I'm always a, a big fan of betting slight outsiders rather than the boring. Uh, Rory, JT, etc. Although it'd be great if one of those wins. So my picks are our are, are very own local Bob McIntyre, the left-handed genius um, from the west coast of Scotland. Uh, he's my, he's probably not going to win, but he's my favourite um, for, for the Open just because the way he plays, he tends to go for a hero shot all the time, drivers off the deck, etc. So, so that would be my pick, uh, fingers crossed. Um... I will probably have a little bit of a gamble. Um, just uh, these the major events, I'll, I, I maybe put a little bit of cash on. Um, I think it's quite a tough one to to see. It always depends on what the weather will do here in St Andrews. I'm kind of interested to see how Tiger Woods gets on in some ways. I think that he's quite a clever golfer around the old course he seems to like it um and uh, he can be quite strategic with it so that could be quite fun to watch and um you know he's obviously got his physical problems at the moment but uh, could be interested to see how he gets on um andy and i have got a friend in harold varner the third we're hoping that he performs well. He's a, a, a very nice uh, gent, and uh, we hope he gets on good. 
And, you know, he's not had the greatest of seasons, Morikawa, but I think, you know, iron play is very, very uh, important around the old course. And I think what they might do, try to make it quite difficult. Um, and you'll know, Matt, as, as uh, um, someone who's played there a few times, is you can put the pins in quite interesting positions on the old course. And I think your iron play will be quite um will be quite uh, important over the week so i uh, i think i'll take morikara just because you know if he gets it moving he is the defending champ so he's obviously not out of it but he's uh, yeah so that's going to be my picks for the week what's the as locals who play the old a fair amount much more than the rest of us who are just hoping for that one bucket list round around the old um what do you think is the strategy to approaching the old course. I, I heard some things in the last trip that I hadn't heard before, but I wanted to hear from you guys. What, what is your strategy to playing the old well? well? Asking me how to play the old course well and asking a professional are very, very different. <laughs> from, uh, it, a lot of it depends on conditions, Matt. And, and as you know, you've, you've played it in both good weather and, and, uh, and, and more in different weather. So the wind on, on the old course is such a, a such a big factor and and whether that blows uh, the way it did in 2015 which was which was carnage um or it's just a gentle breeze there's no doubt that these professionals can can go very low if the conditions are very placid we've had a very dry um couple of months actually here in Scotland which is which is good for for uh, for making it firm and fast the, the course is looking quite brown just now They've been watering the rough, um, so I don't think it's still quite as dense as they maybe would prefer it to be. But um, the, 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 there's 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 some rude phrases about the old course on how to play it um, for for us amateurs. Um, but uh, the the key is really to um, place your tee shot. Simple as that. For 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 these guys teeing off at the open, it will be lots of irons off the tees, getting your best angle into to the pins with the RNA choose um, and 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 trying to get close to the flag. Um, someone will probably go very low, but I don't think it's going to be, a, as was documented beforehand, a, a, it doesn't have to be a bomber to do that, certainly with the length of the course. Yeah, Graham, I, I, another question for you is, is you know, uh, our, our National Open here in the States, you know, it's become about the, the toughest test in golf and, and Stern. And so uh, our home clubs that are, you know, Oakmont is going through a huge renovation now to make it even harder. I mean, I thought it was the hardest golf course I ever played. Um, but, but we try to kind of beef up courses. We're adding so much length. What's your feel as a, a you know, person that plays the, the old so much, what, what's your hope for, you know, hosting the world's best. Do you look at score at the end of the day? Are, are you kind of as, as, um, a proud, you know, gentlemen of St. Andrews, are, are you kind of, uh, bummed if they shoot 32 under or what, what's kind of your, your mentality with these guys showing up? Well, I think, you know, if you look at the scores from the, from the old course, uh, over the, the last, um, few opens there, I think probably the lowest still is what minus 19 minus 18. Um, and that was Tiger Woods pretty much playing at the pinnacle of his, of his golfing prowess. So, what his um, uh, plan really was to stay out the bunkers. So I know, I know that people have said that technology has moved on. You've got Shambo bombing it miles and miles and miles. Um, it's a bit more open. 
I think Martin Slumbers, when I was having a chat with him, was mentioning that they want to try and get the rough off as much as possible, which they're doing. Um, it's either, and there has been a lot of talk about what you know. What will the defence of the old course be? Well, you know, will it? Will it? If it is flat cam, as Andy said, will people go round and we're suddenly looking at a score of minus forty? At the end of the day, it's um, everyone will get it how they'll get it, and uh, and and the champion golfer of the year will be the person who walked away playing the best. So I suppose we just have to we have to wait and see. I think if you have a look at the last few opens, um, well, in fact, the last one was very close. Zach Johnson went down to the to the wire here at the the opens in St Andrews, and uh, that went to a playoff. It was hugely affected by weather. Um, over over the days, and then if we flip back to 2010, uh, when Ustazen won here, he just got the luck of the draw. Actually, in all honesty, because McElroy went out, shot a great. I think it was sort of 64, maybe 65 uh, the first day, and then Ustazen he he did very similar on the Friday morning. Then Friday afternoon, it was just an absolute squall. So really. You don't know what you're going to get. It's really in the weather gods in terms of what happens. But you might get four days flat cam and it will be, um, it could be very low shooting. However, what I think the most important thing about this, and there's been such a build up to the 150th Open here in St Andrews, I just hope that it's, we don't have sort of a, a runaway winner. I hope it actually does come down to being quite an exciting tournament. Um, over the four days and if it is low scoring so be it but I hope there's you know four or five you know on form golfers vying out for the for the tournament for, for, for the claret jug that week so that's that's the excitement that we're looking forward to here yeah, I, I do too. I, I got to say after, uh, you know, a number of trips now, probably four or five times to St. Andrews myself. And I was talking to some other members about, uh, about this, that were on our trip back in May that, uh, how much fun it is as a sports fan, as a golf fan, when, when the pros go to any course that, that you've played, or even of course you can play, you know, the anticipation of it, uh, it's at another level with the old, because you're at the home of golf and you're watching on TV and, and, you know, once you walk those fairways, it just, you get so excited. So I, I basically have the alarm set and the calendar blocked for every morning here in the U S while the open's going on, um, while you guys are, what, what's your schedule for the open? What do you guys plan to do? Probably plan number one is to, is to pace myself. I think I was looking at my diary yesterday, actually for this coming week. And, and, uh, there seems to be events on every single day from Monday to, to Sunday. So, um, yeah, from, from family commitments to, to having guests over to, to hosting people in the club, as Graham was saying earlier. Um, so, so the idea is, it sounds so simple. So got the atmosphere. We'll, because we're, we're members of the new club next to the 18th fairway, we'll be spending a, a fair amount of time in there, but also make sure we make time to get out on the course and, 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 and see what's going on. Um, I'm actually taking my, my elderly father-in-law there on uh, one of the early practice days. Now, I'm actually quite looking forward to that as much as anything, just because there's no, if you like, there's no work commitments. It's just go and enjoy the golf. He will only want to spend a couple of hours there maximum, wants to see what's going on and then a quick lunch and home. And, and, uh, it's it's a time for it's a time that everybody gathers and it's a time to try and see as many people as you can without stretching yourself too thin um, and try not to attend too many cocktail parties. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. 
Well, there, there is a pitfall of, of, of cocktail parties uh, along the way. Um, but that's all fun, the fun of the fair, Matt, which everyone should get involved in. Um, I think just uh, for, for me, um, the atmosphere here is going to be electric. And what they've actually done um, with, it's going to be the most... Uh, um, uh, attended 290,000 people during the week will be uh, in St Andrews um, and I have taken to running around the old course which is one of my favourite uh, pastimes and it's actually very interesting because I was thinking about our uh, our podcast coming up and what we were going to talk about and uh, you were uh, one of my thoughts on my, my runs and you know Really, and you know that 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 is an amazing thing. I mean, could you imagine if I was, uh, you know, days before the Open, being able to, or days before the, the Masters, being able to run round Augusta and sort of have a look about what's going on, and you know, it, it's just it's it's such a unique sort of setting um, for people who have been to St Andrews and understand it, but also people who haven't. It really is sort of that shock that there's just this golf course right in front of you and um and when i have been running around i've been looking at what they've created they've they've created so many new stands new hospitality areas um which have helped frame the golf course but um anybody that's listening to this podcast and is here at this moment in time i would suggest getting down to the new stand that they've built behind the seventh green and eighth tee because one it's absolutely huge and if you're watching it on tv you can you can get a, an idea of it but it's got a view that will encompass sort of the eighth tee eighth green tenth green seventh green eleventh green and you can see them playing also nine uh, nine as well so like that is a spot where I think if you really want to view a little bit of golf um, get yourself as far away to the end of the at the end of the of, of the course there and 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 just settle in there for a few hours because it might be a way of uh, uh, you know getting some very good uh, vantage points or sleeping off one of the cocktail parties or avoiding the next one so uh, there's there's my insider's tip for the open that is such a awesome part of the golf course too. I think, you know, when you play that, uh, the old, the first time and you get to that point, um, I'm not going to lie. It's a bit disorienting for an American golfer to be back there where seven and 11 are crossing and <laughs> balls are flying and four is being called and your caddy's saying, get down, get down. Um, but a man, when you actually get, get past that, right. And you kind of settle into your surroundings, those are, those are, my, some of my favorite holes probably in the top five for me is just the green site of seven and the green site of 11. I just love that, that spot of the golf course. The one thing that I've been noticing over the last few weeks as well, I've never seen it in such good condition in my life. It's absolutely amazing. The job that the, 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 the links have done for what they're actually providing. Uh, it looks beautiful. But actually, when you're up close and personal, the greens are absolutely immaculate. Um, fairways are in great condition. I think the new rough that they've been growing in really shapes the holes a little bit more. I think sometimes when 
most of the majority of people who are playing the old course and uh, for 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 timing and general, the, the rough is cut back a little bit. So you can sometimes miss the shape of a, a lot of the holes. Mm. But with the rough that's actually been put in place at the moment, it, it'll give you a fantastic... Um, a fantastic uh, uh, sort of insight into a lot of uh, how the holes are shaped, which I think is going to look amazing on TV. I was out there uh, playing um, on the new course uh, when the helicopter was coming in and flying over. And um, and now I actually know what it is maybe to uh, play golf in Grand Theft Auto. But it was sort of like, it was it was right above us, like flying in, taking pictures of all these holes and 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 it, it was amazing so i'll be really interested to to watch on the tv how they how they how it looks and and is framed it's uh, it's really exciting for 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 me um uh because you know you really to see the world's best players playing on a course that you play regularly is it's it's just you know to have that understanding of the exact shot they have on the green, or the exact shot they have coming in from from the fair where where they are, it's it's just really exciting. It's just interesting to see how they do it. That's great. I, I know we're probably going to talk a little bit more about the old course because I got some course questions for you guys and some of your uh, superlatives, if you will, of golf and Fife and golf in Scotland. But um, one thing I want to make sure that we chat about today is is kind of golf culture. Um, I think you know, from those members of ours and many of them have been across the pond and played Scottish links golf. Uh, everyone comes back with a bit of a, uh, epiphany, right? Um, not all of them start golf clubs. You know, I did, uh, I, my epiphany was sitting there in the new golf club and just listening to conversations, how members interact with each other and the game of golf and the golf courses. And, um, it was just this beautiful symphony. And I, and I was inspired to kind of create a bit more of that in, in America. So everyone that listens to this show kind of knows, uh, our, our mission at new club is part of that. You know, our name, our namesake is, is to honor your guys club, the new golf club of St. Andrews right there off the 18th of the old. And I, and I just, uh, I wanted to, to take the opportunity today to have you guys on and kind of ask you a little bit about, you know, where that comes from and where you kind of feel that Scottish links culture, um, started and how it's evolved and, and what it kind of means to you. So, you know, I, I love this old Tom quote where we were all born with web feet and a golf club in our hands. So I just assume that everyone uh, in Scotland is a golfer straight out the womb. But I wanted to know when you guys got your start in the game and, and kind of how you were introduced to it. Andy, you want to get us going? Yeah, sure. Um, there's an element of old Tom's quote, um, but uh, it, it's quite interesting because obviously, especially for, for American listeners and so on as well, is every, the, the biggest focus in Scotland is on the Lynx golf on all the coasts. But uh, funnily enough, there's more golf played by locals inland on parkland courses and heathland courses. Now, Graham and I are obviously very fortunate to stay in St Andrews and we're Lynx golf uh, addicts probably. But but my my starting point is quite similar to, to most uh, people of my age. So I joined the local golf club in Perth, which is in central Scotland, uh, when I was nine years old. Uh, it's And it was, uh, funnily enough, not that I knew when I was nine years old, an old Tom course called King, ja King James VI Golf Club, named after King James, where he uh, allegedly practices his golf. Uh, dates back to 1858. And it's built uniquely in uh, it's on, on an island in the middle of the, the River Tay. And it's only accessible by a railway bridge. Um, you can't drive a car on, you can't get a lorry on for supplies, etc. It's a very unique golf course, crazy, crazy golf. Um, but I, I like back in the, well, what would it be? That would be back in the late 80s. 
Um, it was the kind of place that we were dropped off by my uh, dear mother early in the morning in school holidays, sent across the railway bridge uh, at eight o'clock in the morning and picked up at eight o'clock at night because they knew we were safe. We knew we had nothing else to do. And a group of us were down there all summer, just uh, everything from you know, a couple of rounds of golf, chips at, or fries at lunchtime and back out in the golf course again or putting competitions and, and so on. So, you know, quite fortunate in that way. Um, uh, junior golf now is, is a bit more, obviously a bit more regimented, a different way of life. And, and uh, um, there are a lot more golf programs now. And they've even evolved in the last few years. There's a, there's a few um, projects that have, have uh, sprung up and the the aim of the certainly of the aim of the government is to is to have golf introduced to every school so every child every pupil at some stage will be able to to try golf um and then take it from there as well with obviously feeding into local clubs there's lots of initiatives like that but uh, but yeah my background was as a 9 year old just being sent away from my parents for 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 summer holidays which was which was great for everybody i think to be honest Graham? I um, started playing golf in St Andrews. Um, that was uh, I remember. Um, now there was there was a golf shop called Jim Farmers. Uh, Jim Farmers now the head professional for the RNA. Um, and I went along and I bought a half. Well, I didn't buy. I was fortunate enough to be bought a, a half set of Dunlops by my father, and we went. Um, directly down to the Eden uh, golf course. And that's where I started playing golf. I was uh, a young age. And yeah, I suppose, you know, to me, it was, um, it, we, we didn't live in St. Andrews at that time. We used to just visit here. And um, and I've, I've, it was Lynx golf that I got, got used to from there. But I also played in a Harry Coke course back home um called Cot Heath so Harry Colt really is and that was that the Eden was is a Harry Colt course so Harry Colt is probably my favorite designer of all golf courses uh, I, and uh, the simplicity that he puts into all these courses has been great and 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 I think that really started for me from a very young age just that that was where I played and that's what I loved um and it's really become a way of life for me. And I think that's what it is in Scotland. I think golf is a way of life. I think it's, um, Andy and I've just grown up with it and you grow up with it and you talk to people and, um, it's just natural. It's what every, every city, every town, every village has. They usually have an 18 hole or a 19 hole golf club and, and generally people are involved in it. And, uh, and that's that's how the the game has grown here in in Scotland. And for me, it's you know my work, but also my absolute passion. I love it, and I love the people that are surrounded and the people that I meet. And uh, very fortunate that uh, I was uh, I was shown the ways of playing golf from a young age. You know, I've always had that sense that it was just a normal part of uh, Scottish life is the, the game and kind of the rhythm of it. Just fit into people's world. Uh, it, one core difference that I've found is here in the States, it's, it's kind of become a very grand thing and this big thing that uh, both non-golfers and golfers, right? Golfers that, you know, feel it has to be on this pedestal and everything has to be a certain way uh, to be a golfer or to have golf. And then non-golfers say, oh, it's that big thing that I can't really get over that hurdle to get into the game. Um, where do you think it's, you know, those barriers don't seem to be 
relevant as much as much in Scotland. And what what uh, I'm just curious as some of the ways that you know etiquette is approached in Scotland and um, the idea of being a golfer. It just seems like everyone's on the same page. <laughs> You know, from from pace of play to to how it operates, and I think Graham, you said this one time to me: is everybody just get on with it? You know, and th- don't have to do all this pomp and circumstance. Just get on with the game. Wh- where does that start? Where do you think that comes from? I, I think accessibility is number one. Actually, I think I think it, because everybody's brought up in that environment, um, and and. Let's be honest, it's a game. To, to use your quote, it's a game. It, it, let's not get too het up about it all. It's a game played on uh, open land uh, and anyone can do it. Certainly in Scotland, it's the most accessible thing. That, that, As Graham was saying, there's courses in most villages, different standards and so on. You can pay as little or as much as you want for golf in Scotland. Um, and, and the etiquette's really just drummed into you from day one. And I think a lot of it is, uh, I'm not sure exactly how it would work over with you guys, but because most of us are brought up uh, as, as children playing the game effectively. So at some stage you are taught how to hold a golf club. It might be incorrect, but hold the golf club, swing a golf club, et cetera, et cetera. At the same time, you're taught how to behave on the golf course. You're taught, or, or you're not, you're expected how to behave on the golf course, not taught as such. And because it, everybody has the same kind of attitude towards uh, towards the game that it's about being outside it's about enjoying yourself part of it which actually just hit me when you were speaking there just now is because of our long nights in summer here where you can golf till 10 30 at night very very easy uh, at this time of year for um if you like normal working people who have nine to five jobs to play in the evenings but if you play in the evenings you have to play quickly too because there are many people looking to play out so it just all becomes a a, a, a you know, just just the way that we play here. It's, it's it's about enjoying yourself, but it's just not about holding everybody else up. Man, I, I had one of the uh, experience that will always stick with me playing the old course with the captain of, of the new golf club, Ronnie Denny, a friend of your guys. Um, and we we were the dark time or the 530, you know, off. And I think they squeezed in a couple more local times behind us. And I was kind of thinking that off the get-go, oh, they're not going to get it in. Well, Ronnie was on a mission to make sure the folks behind us got their game in. And and we were, you know, just shotgun and played so quickly. But I loved that that sometimes golf can be a very selfish game. It's an individual pursuit. But that that moment with Ronnie, I really saw um that Scottish way of kind of looking out for everybody else and understanding that everyone on the golf course is part of the same uh tradition, part of the same ritual. And and we are accountable to those people. We got to make sure we, we keep up with the group group in front of us so that they can get done before dark. So I, I had uh, that direct experience, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And I think it's, um, uh, you know, it's not about running around a golf course. It's, it's about just having respect for your, for your other golfers and being ready, playing when you're ready and not having a, you know, 25 minute pre-shot routine that you see on the television before, and this was my own experience, before I shank it into a bunker or something like that. So um, so uh, you, you just look foolish. So um, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's about just being ready, getting on. There's plenty of time to converse, laugh, have fun on the golf course. Um, you, you don't have to spend minutes and minutes before you, you hit a golf shot. Let's talk about the uh, the Scottish Golf Club. Or, you know, the, I think you, Andy, Graham, you guys are members of multiple clubs. So um, the new golf club 
being a, a one that inspired us, you know, you feel free to talk specifically about your experiences there if you'd like, or, um, or any Scottish golf club. But I, I was curious, um, what you believed kind of the purpose of a golf club is in Scotland. Well, I, I'd just like to to butt in there quickly, Matt, because I'd just like to put it on the record and make sure that he's listening, that our captain, Ronnie, is more a, an acquaintance of mine rather than a friend. So I just want to make sure that that's, that's clear with the listeners. Um, but I better clarify that because he's actually going to be godfather to my uh, my new son. So he will know that that was merely just a, a small jake. But I just... Uh, I want to see if he does sit down and take the time to listen to uh, to our, my mine and Andy's wisdom. I'd like to just say there. So uh, we're just we'll just clear that one up with Ronnie first. So I, I was actually just digging out something which, which kind of covers what you were talking about before, Andy and your and yourself, Matt, and um, you know, and it kind of covers last question and this question right now. Uh, I was. Uh, as when I was on the committee, and I still am on the committee, the new club, and part of my job was uh, working in the house conveners uh, as the house convener, and I was taken down to the RNA storeroom to try and find some uh, paintings or some memorabilia that we could put up on the walls. And I went through uh, a lot of the RNA things, and they kindly have uh, uh, lent us some pieces that hang in the club there at the moment. But one of them that I came across, and I don't know if you've, you've actually come across this or, or read it or, or, or I've, I've discussed it with you before, but it kind of sums up golf uh, for me. And it was um, uh, it was it, it was a piece that hung on the uh, the walls of of Robert Forgan's uh, workshop, um, and it just basically sums up golf and how I think that it's really meant to be in Scotland and meant to, you know, what the way that it was was sort of dreamed up. Um, and I actually adhere to every word within this, uh, this uh, passage that was written about golf. So I'll read it out to you. So it says golf. Golf is a science, the study of a lifetime, in which you may exhaust yourself, but never your subject. It is a contest, a duel, or a melee calling for courage, skill, strategy, and self-control. It is a test of temper, a trial of honor, a revealer of character. It affords a chance to play the man and act the gentleman. It means going into God's out of doors, getting close to nature, fresh air, exercise, a sweeping away of mental cobwebs, genuine recreation of tired tissues. It is a cure for care, an antidote to worry, it includes companionship with friends, social intercourse, opportunities for courtesy, kindliness, and generosity to an opponent. It promotes not only physical health, but moral force. Now, in my opinion, there's not really much else that you can write about golf in any other point in the in the um in in life. I mean, that just sums it up completely for me. And I think it sums up the whole idea of of what golf is in Scotland, it's, it's, you know, you can, if you reflect on that piece about golf and about golf clubs and about everything, and you reflect on all the experiences that you've had within the game of golf, it's all covered within that passage. And it's absolutely fascinating to me. And I, and often whenever I'm, 
I'm playing or or spending time with people, you know, in my mind, I mentally go back to that and just think about it. So it's, uh, uh, I hope you don't mind me reading that out or, or if many people have heard it before, but it's it's a fascinating sort of a summary of golf. It, it it is, and and you could have saved about ten thousand different offers a lot of time if you just shared with that quote with them because that encompasses so much. Uh, I guess I guess everybody keeps taking that a quote like that and they they dissect it right and they go into different worlds of it. Um, the one the one element I want to ask you guys about uh, that he mentions is there is I think it was the melee of a match or, or I don't know how you just phrased it, Graham, but uh, can you guys talk about competition in in your world like so at, at the new club or other? Um, how you guys approach competition? Is it stroke play, match play? You know what do you prefer? Because I think a lot of us don't have a sense of of the differences in, in how you guys compete and how we do. Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, we, 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 uh, we, there's a very much a large competitive, uh, golf program here, especially, especially in St. Andrews, but it's, it's both match play, stroke play, different formats of, of, of medal play. So, so here in St. Andrews, I mean, as Graham said earlier, Graham and I are members of three golf clubs in St. Andrews with the new golf club being our main, our home, if you like. Uh, and, and that's the way we treat it. Um, so, but in St Andrews, we'd probably be able to play competitions three times per week, uh, and that would just be medal competitions, be it stroke play, be it um, par bogey, be it stableford, etc. Um, but the 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 big fun days are really match play competitions, really, where you're playing with your opponent, you're getting to know them, uh, and that can be either on an individual basis throughout the year, um, where we have uh, knockout competitions. Um, whereas Graham and I uh, both we're, we're not our we're not partners. We we like to play against each other sometimes. We, we were both knocked out of one of the new clubs uh, matchplay competitions this week, unfortunately. But uh, but one of these things, um, culminating in in team matches where where we as a club play against other clubs uh, all around Scotland. So for example, this weekend we're off to play Royal Aberdeen. Uh, last weekend we were at Gullen, played down there. Um, we're off to Glen Eagles in a couple of weeks after that. Um, and, and we have about uh, 12 matches throughout the year against different prestigious golf clubs in in, uh, in Scotland. I think Ronnie touched on this in his, his podcast with you guys the last time. But really at the heart of, of probably the, the, the friendship within golf is, is match play competition, where, where you're playing against the person who's on the course next to you rather than a field of 150 and, and everybody checking a result at the end of the day to see how far down the table they came. Yeah, th- you, Matt, can tell my, you can tell my golf not going very well. At the I was going to say, Andy, what's going on, man? Get Graham, can we get our, our guy some, a sports psychologist perhaps? I, well, I, I think that's, uh, I think, he, he's um, that's a little bit further down the list with some of the stuff he's got to deal with, but we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> okay, good. It's positive self-talk. That's that's what you need, Andy. You I told you, I give him positive every every day. But the important thing is, Matt, you can play badly but enjoy it. And that's kind of my mantra, to be honest. There's there's nothing worse than getting upset by playing golf badly, or I would be in a bad mood quite a lot. So so it's all good. It's all good. That that is so true, Andy. We we try our very, very best to live by that mantra here in, in New Club. And uh some days is tougher than than others, but it's always about who you're with and uh the course you're playing. There's other elements you can enjoy beyond the result. Um Match play, I I just, uh, again, back to some of the epiphanies I've had. And I, this happened when I was, was much younger, 20 years old in, in Ireland. Uh, we played a lot of match play. And, and I never grew up with match play. But 
anyone that's a member of new club listening uh, for a few years probably understands that, but it, it is new to a lot of the newer members listening that, you know, also didn't grow up playing match play and they, they kind of love the Ryder cup they get behind, but they don't understand it for their own golf and why, why it matters. What, um, why does it matter to play these matches? You know, you said, Andy, it's, it's always looked forward to the most, uh, what, what is it about match play for, for you specifically that, that brings out that enjoyment and that fun for everyone? And are there some matches that you really look forward to each year? Um, yeah, I think, uh, personally it's, it's, it's all about, I'm not going to go too deep about my, my philosophy about my own personal golf thing, but, uh, what I like about golf itself is being with people that hopefully, and, and 99% of the time you, you're getting on with, you're enjoying their company and you're playing a game that isn't massively important. Let's be honest about it. Uh, uh, in that four hour window, three and a half, four hour window. And then that game finishes and then you go to the bar afterwards and, and just enjoy their company. I think there's much more, there's almost camaraderie in there as well that, that you're, you're, you're kind of, especially if it's a, a wild day, which we sometimes sometimes have, that you're battling the elements. You're technically battling your opponent, but the most important thing at the end of the day is that you're all enjoying it. Um, and I think in, in how whoa, 30 years of being a golfer, I think I've had two opponents that I wouldn't wish to play with ever again. And I think that's a pretty good hit rate. Um, and uh, that's why Graham and I aren't on the same team anymore. But um, but that's um, <laughs> not at all, not at all. Graham and I love love playing with each other. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think that's probably what it is. I think I think you're you're kind of all in it together. Um, and as far as um, there's one obvious one that I'm sure Graham will talk to. But as far as my favourite match play competition is, there's a a competition in the new club that you have to qualify for called the Arnold Palmer Trophy. And Arnold Palmer was an honorary member of the new club until he passed um, a few years back. We only have one honorary member at a time, and now it's it's uh, Mr. Watson. Um, but what uh, Mr. Palmer did was donate a, a shield to the club to be played for match play. And you qualify for this by, by being one of the top uh, ranked players in the, get this, the spring meeting and the winter meeting. Uh, I've somehow qualified a couple of times. I've actually qualified this year as well, so I'm quite excited by this. But this match play is, is played on the old course um, and it's a it's a knockout match play. Uh, there's 32 players playing it over the summer. Um, it's a phenomenal experience just because you're, you're, you, you are, you're, you're on the old course playing golf the way I think it should be played against a, a like-minded opponent. And I just think there's no better place to be. Graham? Are you are you gonna blow up my world right now and tell me that you're more of a stroke play guy and you prefer the metal? No, I mean, generally I've been brought up on match play. That's what that's what that's what we do. It's just it's much easier to do that. You know, you're always playing. You know, even in stroke play events, we're always usually got a game on the side anyway of playing match play, just because that's what you're used to. It kind of keeps your focus. It's easy to do if you're away on a golf trip with somebody, one of your mates. I've never really counted, you know, scores never really been that that important. I, I you know, obviously is important when but it, it's just the way the nature of how we've played golf. I mean, it's a little bit different now with the new world handicapping system. Um you can go out and count the score, but before it was always in medal play and medals were, you know, actually set aside to 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 go on your handicap and you know that's a much wider uh discussion point about how that world handicap system works but it kind of definitely in the the scottish system it, it 
it developed in a different way that your stroke play was focused really on medal days and you only played them at that point. But then but then that medal play gave you the handicaps that you'd be playing in all the match plays. So it's all a, you know, it's a combination of everything. But in general, you know, that's what people call it, a bounce game here. And it's always match play. It's never really any stroke play. So I know that my experience of dealing with people from America or playing in America is, you know, that's the first thing. What did you shoot? What's that? And that's not really something that people talk about here. You know, it's just more to do with who won the money, really. <laughs> and uh, that, that that's generally what, what happens. You can always tell by who's smelling the bar anyway. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's so true. You do not hear, what did you shoot? Usually how, how was your game? How was your match? Uh, it's just a, a different philosophical look at it, uh, in a lot of ways. Um, and competition is going to be a part of our upcoming pilgrimage to the home of golf with you gentlemen. So I, I, I look forward to sharing that here in a bit. Uh, I did want to touch on some courses, you know, I know you guys are, are well-traveled and, uh, no links golf very, very well. Um, what is your, I'm not going to ask what your favorite golf course is, but I do want to know, uh, I think I know the answer to that from our, our conversations already, but what's an under the radar course in Scotland that most, you see most folks coming to visit and they skip over and they're missing out. Well, I, I, I would say for me, uh, I guess very subjective, but uh, for me, it's actually uh, a place called Montrose. And Montrose is uh, uh, a Lynx course, small town just north of Carnoustie. Uh, it's about maybe an hour from St Andrews. Um, it's a, a wonderful Lynx course, actually laid out by Harry Cole, Graham's favourite guy. Um, it's got the most phenomenal front nine. Uh, you've seen proper Lynx holes. Uh, some of them are absolutely stunning partly unfortunately because of coastal erosion and and the 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 sand dunes are eroding very very quickly and unfortunately at some point in the next uh, near future they will be losing holes they've they've had to make some renovations already but it's a it's a, a, a oh it's, I was going to say it's a community club that's maybe a bit harsh on it it's it's a very very well looked after golf club popular golf club not on everybody's radar but always worth a a, a visit and it's actually it's it's on the on the road between two major golfing destinations, Fife and Angus, and, and up towards North Aberdeenshire. Um, and, and for me, it would be Montrose. I'm sure Graham will have a different one. You know, it's uh, here, uh, it, it's, there, there's so many to, to choose from and the experience that, that you can have and the things you see. The, the ones that I would stick out, you know, I, I'm going up there. Um, I go up there regularly. Brorer, I think, is like, if you want to get as close to how golf began, I think Brorer is probably the best thing, you know, with the with the, the sheep wire around the greens. And um, it's, it's just such a phenomenal golf course there. I love it. Um, but a lot of people come to Scotland specifically to play links courses and if they don't know well if it's not a links course they're thinking it's not not any good um an absolutely brilliant golf course is boat of garden which is um in the in the cairngorms quite near abbey moor um that is a stunning golf course uh difficult um not not long but just 
just brilliant and a brilliant setting uh, to play golf in Scotland. Uh, you do feel, my whole idea about golf really is that you feel that you're away from everything, you know, and I think that's what I really enjoy about, and, and, and I don't want it was maybe just growing up playing golf in St Andrews, I do feel that you kind of get lost out there on the links. Um, there's nothing but golf courses there. Um, Brewer has the same idea. That's the same with Boat Garden, I suppose. It's it's not a Lynx course, but I, I love the idea of freedom. And that's that's really what I think golf um uh and, and what maybe what I've loved about a, a golf course when we when I come back off it. It's maybe not so much what the technical uh, uh, uh brilliance of it was, but actually the feeling that it left me with. And that's what um you know, a lot of people, when you meet them here as well, will always tell you your favourite course is the one that you score best on. But that's never been the case for me. It's always about, you know, how did it, how did it make me feel? And and did it make me want to return? And um, there, there's loads of golf courses here that people just don't know about that are absolutely immense. These next two questions will probably be tough for you guys, but we asked uh, all of our members that were on, on with us in our last uh, trip, uh, two questions at the end. We asked them um, uh, if you had one course to play, uh, you had one round light left in your days. You know, St. Peter said, you got one to go, my friend. I'm going to give you one more round. Where would that be? And then additionally, second question, um, if you could play any Scottish golf course for the rest of your life, where where would that be? Uh, every day for the rest of your life, where would that be? So some people had the same answer for both, actually, not not all, but I I know that'd be tough for you guys with with the litany of good golf courses you have to choose from. But I'm gonna I'm gonna force you to give me an answer here. Uh, one more round and you're done, and then one round for the rest of your life. Okay, I I think we'll probably have the same answer here, actually. But we're 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 lucky, and it's maybe quite out for this week. It's for me on both counts. It's the old course, um, and the reason it's the old course is is that um, we're incredibly lucky here. And I, I've played the old course a few hundred times, Graham, even more so than that. And the beauty of of that uh, piece of land is that it's so different every time you play it, and it's so subtle, and there's so many nuances that you sometimes don't pick up even one or two or three times when you play it. And it can be everything you do, angle, um, angles into greens. It could be uh, the conditions on the day, the day, the time of day, the way the sunlight hits all the uh, the fairways are beautiful in the evenings. I know, Matt, you were saying you were out in the evening uh, when you were over in May. And it just, it, it's a different golf course every single time. And there's no better feeling than, for, for me anyway, certainly, than than setting out on uh on the first tee, be it that on uh, which we do every, we try and do every January, first of January, New Year's Day, we try and play the old course, and quite often thirty first of December, we try and play the old course. It's uh, it, it's on our doorstep, but it's just a phenomenal experience, and it, it would certainly be be my answer to both. Yeah, I mean it's just it's the old course hands down, and always has been, always will be, and and, and it's to do with um, it's to do with what previously answered it's just the feeling that that course leaves you with and, and that's it I mean I, I obviously um I've played it it's probably the golf course I've played most ever in my life and um there's a reason for that <laughs> um but then there's um you know I, there is a lot of people and uh that 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 come to St Andrews and 
And I understand it. I understand that, you know, they play it once and maybe they don't quite get it. And I wouldn't blame them because it is a mystery. And uh, I think the beauty of it is what Andy just alluded to there is that the it just is never the same. And that is, I've never found that anywhere else. There is something, some energy <clears throat> that exists in that corridor of the town. And well, the grandstand was up when we were there. So that adds to it, of course. But uh, there's just the town and the, and the sea and, and that corridor, as you said, Andy, when you're getting started and, and finishing and um, a lot, a lot of, of us like metaphors of golf can be like life and uh, you're setting out and, and you're returning home it's it's spiritual i don't know another way to talk about it and it's one reason we're we're not going to shy from calling our our trip with you guys the the pilgrimage um because as a golfer you are returning home you're going to the home of golf and uh it, you feel that it's a, it's just it's an amazing feeling i just uh i i've never felt anything like it in the game of golf and and you guys get to do it every damn day and it makes me irate and jealous uh, talking to my wife, we're going to relocate. Um, I, I, let's narrow the focus into Fife and other courses. Um, I, I was going to ask you for 10, 10 rounds. You have 10 rounds to play, but let's narrow it to five. If you gentlemen have five rounds to uh, spread across Fife, well, how would you split those pers personally or otherwise? It probably changes on the day because you have, again, like Graham, you said, so many good golf courses, but uh, five rounds to split. How do you do it? I'll let you go first, Graham. Well, again, that, that depends. I mean, we've got a plethora of uh, of great courses to play here. Um, and it all depends, uh, like, on what you're looking for. Um, it's tricky for me to put my finger on exactly what you wouldn't want to do because what you, what it's what you're looking to do or what you've experienced before. You know, it's pretty easy um, in the things and, and the trips that we plan for people as well. You know, you could probably, you can pick out five championship courses just off the top of my head here where you're just saying the old course, the new course, Kings Barnes, Dumbarney and the castle. Um, or the Jubilee. I mean, they're, they're, that's that's, but that's uh, that's mainly a St Andrews Links um, idea, and just down the course, uh, down the coast there. But if that was your trip and that was where you played in Fife, you've, you haven't really gone wrong. Um, under the radar, um, the back nine of St Mike's. <laughs> Nobody has ever heard of that on a podcast, but you're missing out because it's class especially the 15th hole trying to hit a train. Um, <laughs> I would say um, Ely is absolutely beautiful. Um, Crail, um, Lady Bank, you know, it goes on, it goes on and on. But, um, you know, there's, uh, there's, a, there's a high end and, a, and, and some, some, uh, some absolutely brilliant courses as well that you could, you know, you, you, you're, we're just fortunate to live in an area with such great courses around. 
Go ahead, Andy. Well, yeah. as, as Graham's named 15, that's that's pretty much... <laughs> <laughs> it covers the ground. He did it for all three of them. I, yeah, absolutely. I maybe add a couple of um, just very quirky ones. One, um, we're quite Sorry, fortunate I'm just to say... island, am I also <laughs> forgot... Hang on. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, we're quite fortunate just outside of St Andrews, about 10 miles away, just outside Cooper, a little town. There's actually a Hickory only golf club called Kingarrick. Um, it's a small nine hole, it's always been Hickory, run by the the, the National Trust of Scotland. Um, and it's, it's it's just a good fun day out. So difficult, but uh, but it's really good fun day out. You have ginger beer afterwards traditionally. So that's that's quite a nice little add-on to, to somebody's trip. Uh, and the only other one I would probably add on to, to Graham's one, well, there's plenty others, but the other one I would jump out is is uh, London Golf Club down in London, Links of Village, um, about 15 miles away from St Andrews. Um, it's an uh, uh, old traditional, uh, well, half of it's an old traditional links. It used to run between London and Leven. Uh, and it used to, if, if they ever went back to that old course, it would be a phenomenal course because it just ran right along the, the coast, 18 amazing links holes. And then uh, after it got really, really busy for obvious reasons, they split the course into two. Uh, so one's leaving links and one's London links. And then James Braid came in and, and added holes. But some of the most amazing links holes on that course, um, It's uh, um, that, that's another one I would add in that something slips under people's radar. Well, that, that's a good feed into you know, what we announced at the top of the show or in my introduction about uh, our upcoming pilgrimage to St. Andrews with Adamson links and, uh, and a visit to the new golf club and, uh, to, to arrive in the home of golf. You know, I, I wanted to, uh, before we got to that, because <laughs> to, to give everyone the whole story of how we've arrived to this pilgrimage, it would take, it's a 10 year story. And I don't, I know people get sick of listening to me enough. I don't think I have time for that on this show, but, um, it's kind of arrived to our introduction to you guys. Um, through our shared friend and Ronnie and being all members of the new golf club. I don't know why you guys let me in, but you did um, to, uh, to these conversations about visiting and what it means to you guys. And what I was really moved by and Graham, I was hoping you could share with, with those listening is why you guys even started Adamson links and what you were hoping to, uh, do differently than so many other um, column operators, right? That help, that assist with with groups that come over. I, why'd you do it? Why'd you get into it? Well, um, I guess uh, again, that's uh, another sort of thirty-five year story, Matt. That I'm not sure that we can. You know, I'm not sure that you want part E, B, C, D, E, F, G, um, but. Fundamentally, we came. I came back here to St Andrews to set up a, a, a restaurant business, and some of your listeners may well have been in our family restaurant, Samson. Um, and you know, life takes you in lots of different pathways. And how did we end up uh, creating a golf travel business? Um, and I think really the key to it is passion. You know, we just. I just love golf and um, Andy and I are both the same and we were looking for new challenges in our lives and just the geography of where we live and what we, we love to do is sort of look after people and, and 
promote the game of golf and promote the game of golf through where where we live and getting people to experience uh, St Andrews and Scotland and in, in the wide is really the is really the the idea behind it in terms of yeah there are a lot of um, uh, golf tour operators out there and they're doing an absolutely fantastic job um, and we just felt that we could uh, offer a um, a very personal service to providing um, people with um, you know the 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 desire who want to experience golf and um, culture and uh, travel within the beautiful you know the beautiful world of Scotland. So that's that's really what what we're here for and what we were doing. And um, you know we're we're absolutely delighted to be working with yourselves at the the new club um, because. I think that we share um, the same values as, um, uh, you know, as people who are involved in the game of golf. And, uh, you know, we just want to be able to help people experience all the wonders that, that, that we have here. And it's, it's, uh, it's very palpable for me just out of your guys' generosity and the, the kind of embrace um, of, of our club. And now that you guys are members of uh, our first, actually, I, I had to correct myself. I have a college roommate. I said uh, in somewhere, some post, some email that you were our first two Scottish ambassadors. Well, Ronnie being the honorary, of course, the current captain of the new golf club. Uh, Graham had the, the honor of the COVID captain for two straight years. So I know you, you were kind of the wartime president, as we say here in the U.S., Graham. But uh, my, my college roommate, who is... Um, the general manager at Barassi now, he, uh, he was the first ambassador, I believe, uh, in Scotland. So you, f- you fight him for that official title, but having you guys in the club, um, is also really cool that, uh, you've already, you know, joined and engaged. And I think Andy, you're going to be with us at our founders cup, which is our, our kind of keynote match play. So some of your comments you said about that, I can't wait for you to, to be on hopefully my team for that. Um, yeah. And then, and then Graham, I think we're looking at having both you guys at, at our winter meeting at Sea Island this year. So it's those values have just kind of spread across in, in both sides. And, um, you know, the fact that you guys do provide that personal touch of hosting and uh, welcoming our members to the place you live, to the place you golf, um, that's a big deal for us. It really is. And uh, for those listening, you know, you heard the details or saw the details in an email coming out this week. Um, but we're going to start with a small group because we want to really achieve that uh, with with you guys is is that hometown feel and, and that return to the home of golf. So um, I just can't thank you guys enough for for all the support and effort you've put into it already. And uh, and we just we got to get our our folks over. Our captains are coming from Atlanta and Chicago. The matches will be set and uh, a lot of good golf will be played. Yeah, we're, we're, we are so looking forward to hosting uh, the, the the first Pilgrims, if you like, which again is very apt for St Andrews, but I'll not, again, that's another hour of a podcast for you. And it's a very niche as well. Um, <laughs> oh, we like niche. Those are the, yeah, yeah, we like niche. Yeah. That's too niche, trust me. Um, uh, but at the same time, I'm I'm so looking forward to coming to the, over to Bandon in October there. And, and Graham and I are certainly... Um, 
we're, we're, it looks like our schedules are going to manage to get to Sea Island too. It'd be great to meet your members. To it sounds like we all share the same values, which well we know we all share the same values, which is tremendous. Um, both uh, new golf club, new club, and Adams and Links. That's how Graham and I met through the new golf club, um, and that's how we founded the company that way. Um, and that's how we've come across yourself, Matt and Mark and, and some of your members who are over in May. And there seems to be a, a really great synergy there. Um, and so for next summer to, to to host fellow members and to let them experience what we experience on a, on a relatively daily basis, um, we're, we're really excited to do that. Graham, what's your your hope? Uh, you know, as born and raised in St. Andrews, what's kind of your, your hope for our first pilgrims? on this trip, but, but also, uh, any visitor, what do you hope people leave St. Andrews with? Well, I hope they've got their passport. I think that's one of the most important things on, when they're uh, on, on their way out, but some people do try to lose it because they have such an amazing time here and, uh, they won't be the first to, to do that. Um, I, you know, I, over the years of, of, of being here, um, what I see is people come here and, 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 it, and it you know, usually starts a conversation and keep it on a very sort of North American level that this is a bucket list trip. But then bucket list trip becomes bucket list trip two and bucket list trip three and bucket list, uh, you know, bucket list trip four. And, and, and that's it. I mean, I think that's the real beauty of, of St. Andrews. Um, and Scotland in general, because you know, you know, it, it's uh, St Andrews. I would say is probably uh, most people's mecca to come to, but there are so many other uh, places to, to visit within Scotland, and, and something that Andy and I can uh, definitely show a lot of the members at, at New Club. Um, but um, I think that that's what you want is, you know, that's, you know, that's the, the Scottish phrase that people will, ever, every, will always say is haste you back. And, and it's really, we want people to love it that much that they do come back. And that's the most important thing. Haste you back. I like it. That might be a title of the podcast. I'm always looking for good titles. Uh, I do have one final thing for you gentlemen. Um, and that's our 19th soul. I can't have you on the show without, Ripping through our 19th soul. We got 18 questions to reveal the soul of the golfer. Uh, I'm going to, for, for time and pace of play, we're going to do an alternate shot or alter, alternate hole uh, format. But I've adapted these 35 questions from Marcel Proust, the French novelist and one of the most influential authors of the 20th century. He was attempting to reveal the truest nature of an individual. Uh, we're not after that. We're after the soul of the golfer. So Andy White, Graham Dalton, are you ready? Yes. yes, Graham, Graham can do you want off first. I'll do the odds. I'll do the odds. He's going odds. So number one, odd. That's my, one of my favorite quotes from Caddyshack. That the, the judge is asked, odds are even. He goes, odd. Like it's not even a debate. <laughs> I just love that. All right, number one, when and where were you the happiest as a golfer? I think that uh, happiest has always been in St. Andrews. Um, I think probably what the idea of being the happiest I've ever been is that I took this game up because without it, I don't think my life would be as, 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 as full and enjoyable as it, 
as it has been. Number two, Andy, what is the scariest golf shot? Ooh, well, at the moment I have a lot, but um, actually quite recently I had a horrendously scary one. So I was playing the old course, funnily enough, and as uh, I had done, I'd left my ball short of the road hole bunker. For those guys who, who, who know the layout, the pin was back left, just in front of the 18th tee. So I had a lob wedge in my hand to get over the bunker with a foursome standing on the 18th tee ready to tee off right in my line. And uh, it was slightly scary, to say the least, especially the way I'd been playing that day. So I managed to pull it off, to be fair. Um, got it onto the green, three putted. So that was great. So got my six, <laughs> which which was slightly disappointing. But uh, but yeah, there was the, in that that shaky backswing. It was rather scary. That's um, that's that's one that's in my mind at the moment. So after nine here, we have a halfway house. I don't know what you call it, but I've seen it at the old. I know there's one after nine. Number three, Graham. What is your go-to order at the halfway house? Oof. Well, it depends if I'm on my yo-yo diet. <laughs> it's definitely a sausage roll if I'm uh, enjoying my carbtastic. And uh, if not, then it's just a water. Can you describe a sausage roll to those listening saying, what the heck is a sausage roll? It's magnificent. Have one. Now, have, have, what, is it better than a hot dog or American hot dog? It's probably out the same family, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, pastry with. I think I think the sausage rolls just are far better than any hot dog I've ever had here. And I'm a Chicago guy. Hot dogs are very proud of that. But sausage rolls for those shaking their head, go have one. Number four, Andy. What is the trait you most? This is this is a good one for the theme of this show. What is the trait you most deplore in your own golf game? Can I answer that one? <laughs> I'm think Brandy's golf game <laughs> as his partner. <laughs> it's a different podcast. That's a different podcast altogether. Um, most of all, actually, you know, joking apart, you know, I actually I do love my golf. Just to go through a bad patch. The thing I hate the most about my own golf game is my streaky putting, and I have this have this thing that. Um, if I hole a reasonable putt on the first couple of holes, I'll putt brilliantly all day. And I'm talking, you know, even a three-footer. It doesn't have to be a big putt. If that putt slips by or, or lips out, whatever, it just the head goes. And, and I just don't, the, the, the size of the hole shrinks in my head and uh, I struggle on the greens all day. And if I'm honest, I absolutely hate that about myself. Um, so, So there you go. Graham, number five, and this isn't meant to be specific for anyone, so keep that in mind, but what is the trait you most deplore in other golfers? Manners. Golf's all about manners. Good answer. Number six, back to you, Andy. What is the quality you most look for in a playing partner? Um, good eyesight. Um, good conversation and good humor, I would say. So yeah, you're, you're there to have fun. You're not there. You're there to relax. You're there to have fun, have a chat, an eye on everybody's balls to help everybody. Out. Uh, and it's not a joke about my own game, but, uh, but yeah, help everybody else out. Good eyesight. And, 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 uh, um, yeah, just enjoy yourself. 
Graham, number seven, what words or phrases do you most overuse on the golf course? Not sure I can say these on this podcast, Matt. Not many children listening. Well, <laughs> it starts with F and it ends and you can decide. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I learned, the thing I learned in Scotland is uh, it's usually windy most of the time, at least the Lynx golf is. So I don't get to hear as much of what you guys are saying than, than what we say here. So it's kind of, you got, you have a nice little back to that manners comment, you know, <laughs> the shroud of the wind seems to help in that regard. I, I whisper to be fair to myself. I whisper most of my, uh, most of my cussing. Expletives. Yes. Yes. Uh, Andy, number eight, what golfing talent would you most want to have? Uh, common sense, I think, to actually go for boring golf shots rather than the the hero shot, because um, that one in twenty that pulls off makes you feel absolutely magnificent. But the other nineteen times, you're shrugging your shoulders, thinking I should have wedged that out or I should have uh, uh, done the sensible thing. So yeah, if I if I could uh, um, have the talent of um, be a bit more boring and monotonous on the golf course, might be the way to go. <laughs> Number nine, Graham, what is your most treasured golf possession? It's got to be my Peter Alice wedge. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm, there's I'm, a story I'm, there. I got it from, uh, I think I picked it out of one of my grandfather's, um, uh, one of my grandfather's garages. I can't quite remember which one it was. And um, it still sits proudly in the bag and is used uh, regularly. Um it's uh, it's uh, wedges. Uh, Mark is is rubbing off the bottom, and uh, you wouldn't really want to play with it in the wet with the grip that it has. But in my opinion, Peter Alice has some of the finest wedges known to man. And he's laughing. We'll get that story when we come visit. I want that in person. Number ten. What's the one thing in your golf bag you should throw out, Andy? Uh, my lob wedge. <laughs> It, you don't need one on a Lynx golf course. And for some reason I carry it and yeah, it's, and then having the, 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 um, wherewithal not to use it unless it's in a bunker. Sometimes it's that hero shot mentality again. <laughs> so yeah, I should take it out. Um, but it's, it's sitting there and it's not a Peter Alice wedge, unfortunately. So maybe that's the problem. <laughs> it's funny you say that. Cause when I was talking to another member of ours that, uh, said, well, I got to have the 60 in the back cause of the, you know, pot bunkers there. And I said, well, actually, the pop, it's what, what the 60s is going to do is convince you that you can get it over that sod face bunker. Uh, you probably should just go out backwards is the answer and take your medicine. But, uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. It's uh, yeah. Good advice. Graham, we have a lot of guests on the show that work in the golf industry as you do, but what is your favorite job or occupation in, in golf? I think what we're doing, hosting, actually, absolutely love it. I love um, looking after people and um, showing them the lights of the country that we have here. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, after a lot of soul searching, and that's what we're doing, I've found the perfect job that uh, that doesn't feel like work to me. Number could 12. I, could I also butt into one of Graham's questions? Because, Graham, that's not strictly true. There is one dream job in golf that you're after, right? Could you tell me what that is? Oh, hang on, hang on. 
My actually, my dream job is definitely to be the superintendent of the Himalayas Putting Green. That is like, but they, you know, that is uh, um, that is that's the future, Andy. Not that that and it's not quite yet, but that I will hopefully end my days a smiling man passing you a pusser. Absolutely. Is there is there uh, is that because are you gonna redo things over there or what's the do you have a vision for the Himalayas? It's just a place that makes me incredibly happy, and um, I, I've, I've I've been playing that putting green for for years when it went back to being hickory. I love the history of it. I love where it sat, but just what a way to what, what I mean that of anyone that comes to St Andrews to play, anyone can play golf from there. Anyone. Yeah you know, from whatever age group to whatever ability to anything. It's just absolutely magnificent. And uh, as you see now, that idea is being replicated in so many different places around the world. There's one There's one here specifically, uh, short aside, Journeyman Distillery, who's become a partner of our club. Um, and, and he's a member, Bill Welter. Oh, he's probably listening. Hey, Bill. Um, they built a replica uh, as close as they could. But uh, him and his college roommate lived in St. Andrews. They both, um, I don't know if they were just barbacks or they were actually in school. There's a great story there. But uh, they played it every day they could. And when he opened a distillery and had a little extra land and his friend Craig became a golf course architect, he pulled him down to, to rebuild it. And now in the backyard of their distillery, in between where the owner of the distillery live and, and where the customers are, they got a brilliant... Himalayas putting green. So I, I hope that there's more of that that builds out because you're so right, Graham. It's it's a better way for someone to get into golf versus go to a driving range and start swinging and you know depressing yourself. Uh, golf it should be fun, and it's about getting it to that hole. Back to the 19th hole. Short aside, number 12. Have you ever asked another golfer for their autograph? If so, who? That's for you, Andy. Um, no. I don't think I have. I, I have. I've, I, I, was I was very, I was happy to give it to him. <laughs> <laughs> he asked for a golfer's autograph. So um, <laughs> the uh, the only thing that I've, I've done similar uh, or I had similar was, so I would be about 10, well, maybe 12 years old. The Scottish Open used to be held at Glen Eagles Golf Club. Um, and it was a big event just before the Open. And uh, I still remember this now. Had one of these, you know, as a, a really young kid, these really cheap disposable cameras. Um, and you were allowed to use them back then within reason. And Sevi Ballesteros was walking between tees. And I couldn't get it to work. I think it was just too young, couldn't wind it on. And he stopped and asked me, do you want me to wait to take a photograph? And when she did, my mom was there. My mom still talks about it. And I still have that memory of Sevi. And uh, I just thought, what a, what a guy. What a guy. So... <laughs> Um, it's a good memory. I can't believe you didn't ding him and you were like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think you would have just gone off and buy us much more Andy if you were like, what? No. <laughs> no I'm I waiting, for, waiting for Sandy Lyle behind you. Take on. a picture of me, please, Severiano. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I was too young. I was like 11 or 12. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, Graham, number 13. What historical golf figure do you most relate to? Um, Who do I most relate to in golf? Uh, 
I'd love to say Walter Hagen because he sounded like quite a cool dude. But um, I don't think I, 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 I do. I do like the idea of a man who just uh, turns up with his full wardrobe in a Rolls Royce and then just uh, knocks it round uh, pretty. Uh, Pretty well, but for for big money. But I, I'm not sure. I I I, uh, I gamble like the uh, the legendary Walter Hagen on on a golf course. So, um, uh, yeah, there's there's many uh, there's many figures that I uh, I would I would look to in in golfing past. But uh, yeah, I think I, I think uh, Walter Hagen would be my man. I'd like to to learn to emulate. That's a great one. Number fourteen, Andy. What is your greatest golf regret? Um, probably not playing regularly between the age of 18 and how old would it be? 35. Um, I did that thing that many do that moved away from home, went to university, discovered beer. Um, actually played a different sport at the time and, uh, yeah, kind of regret that now. I, I loved my twenties. Don't get me wrong, but, uh, um, I think I actually might have been an okay golfer if I'd kept at it. So, so yeah, that's probably the biggest regret, but the beauty is, Hopefully, I've got many, many years ahead of me of, of being on the links. What was the other sport? Rugby? Cricket. Cricket, Cricket. actually. A good, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's probably my... Uh, if, if, if there was golf on TV and cricket on TV, I'd watch cricket all the time. It's... Uh, you'll, it's again. you'll have to... That'll be another pod where you actually explain yeah. the, the damn thing to me Seriously. because... Uh, oh. I struggle. Even as a baseball fan, I, I, I've tried and I need some help. No problem. No problem at all. Grand, uh, Graham, number 15, what is your favorite golf book? I've got um, a, uh, an old book, uh, which is uh, called Golf Classics. And really, it was one of the first things that I got when I was younger. And it's more a... Um, uh, and, and Andy's quite right, and it is true. I've, I struggle with reading. So it's got a lot of pictures. And, um, and actually the, uh, but it is, it's, it's sort of got all these pictures of, of classic golfers that I didn't really understand that much when I was, um, um, when I was, you know, watching, uh, you know, growing up with the game of golf, but now, you know, you learn more and more about it and you look at these, uh, these, these pictures, they're absolutely amazing. Then also, if uh, just as an aside, if um, one of the, the sad things in uh, in life um, is that golf punk doesn't originate anymore, uh, it was a magazine in uh, in the UK around about sort of in the early two thousands. And if anyone wants a laugh about golf, get hold of golf punk because that was absolutely class. Monty was 007 iron, and that's all I need to say. I will be spending a little time this afternoon researching that because that sounds fascinating. Um, number 16, Andy, this is an interesting one because kind of uh, a trend over the last five years in America has been golf on the golf course. A lot of, you know, we kind of play cart ball here far too often in my own opinion, but uh, I'm okay with tunes on the golf course as long as they're kind of rhythmic for me personally. Um, other people in our membership is very divided on this. No, wants no music whatsoever. And other people would like a little background music playing from the bags uh, or the cart. What, sub question, what's your stance on music on the golf course? And the official question is, if you had to listen to one song for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, we lost you with some mute. 
There we go. Sorry, there we go. There we go. Um, first one, I'm not uh, keen on music on a golf course personally. It's my, um, I understand people who do. And I think one of the worst things, I, I fortunately not really come across it, but if you were with an, if there was music coming from another group interfering with you, I think that would be horrendous. Um, if it's kept within your group and everyone's happy, then fair enough. But talk, talk um, about golf, pop, yeah, it, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And um, the uh, yeah, to me, it's it's a it's a place of um, it's not a place of silence, it's a place of chat and friendship, and, and and to me, that's music. But that makes me sound like a very old fart. But uh, but there we go. Um, oh my word! As far as favorite music. Um, one song, one song to listen to. I have a horrendous music taste. I have to be honest, or, or eclectic music taste. It, it's uh, um, I was a bit of a raver in my youth, and so some of the music I listen to is pretty nasty. Um, so I would say, let's go. If which is kind of with the golf roll with it by Oasis would be a song that would kind of epitomise, and it's family friendly. So there we go. <laughs> Love that. I love it. Big Oasis fan here. Um, all right. Number, number 17 to you, Graham. This is a bit of a philosophical one. Uh, if you were to die and come back as any golfer or perhaps a golf thing, what do you think it would be? It or who it would be. Jeez, it could be so many. <laughs> um, if I was to come back as a, um, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm gonna, I, I could just get, I could get myself into so much trouble. So let's, let's, let's keep it. Let's. <laughs> oh, you've, made, you've made it so far. Why, why? No. <laughs> No, 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 I might. Well, I was, I was going to say I'd come back as Tiger Woods as a dress book, but I, I don't know if that's, uh, I don't know if that's appropriate. <laughs> hey, we've had Michael Bamberger, who wrote, you know, uh, Swingers about the mysterious character based on Tiger. So he's been on this show before. So you're, you're in good, good fun there. Don't worry. Good, good. I was. Uh, I we've we've arrived to the last one here, and I'm, I might ask you both for it, but. Number 18, if you had a motto, maybe you do, what would it be? Um, always go for the hero shot. That would be my motto. It's wrong, but that's that would be my motto. That's what goes through my head. A full loop nod to Bobby McIntyre, right? To Robert. Absolutely. Shoot for the moon. <laughs> Grant, what about you? Always book with Adamson Links. <laughs> and, you know, there it is. That That's the spirit of it. Well, gentlemen, um, I can't thank you enough for joining us. I, I'd like to say, uh, what was it? Haste ye back to this podcast. So please, I don't think this will be the last time we're talking to each other on this show. And it's certainly not the last time you're going to be talking to our members because we're, we're so excited to see you guys at uh, our upcoming events this year and uh, to get this pilgrimage started with you guys um, to have our first pilgrims making that journey next July uh, to be here during the open week and, and talking to you while you're in the home of golf, all of it is um, for me personally, a bit surreal. And I know it's going to be very, very special for our members. Um, so I just wanted to say thank you on the record. And uh, I look forward to, to many memories to come. 
Thanks for having us, uh, Matt. And yeah, I look forward to the next uh, next few years. I think it's going to be a, a, a great journey. Yeah, thanks, Matt. And uh, also, we're very delighted to be members of, of New Club and uh, we look forward to sharing experiences with you all in the future. Here, here. And I have a couple uh, sports psychologist uh, referrals once you need them, Andy. So they're, they're in our membership. And I know one in particular who is listening that will probably be reaching out. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm okay. There is a week off golf uh, of open week. And I think that's all I need. I think I just need a a rest away from the sticks and uh, it'll be absolutely fine. Graham, Andy, thanks, gents. We'll talk to you soon. Today's episode of The Bag Drop was brought to you by our partners, True Temper, Golf Blueprint, and this July's official partner of the Summer Medal in Northern Michigan, Journeyman Distillery. Journeyman Distillery has been distilling artisan spirits for over a decade in their historic Featherbone factory located in the one-stoplight town of Three Oaks, Michigan. Grain to bottle and certified organic, kosher, and gluten-free award-winning whiskeys. Check out their full line of spirits over at Journeyman Distillery on all social and journeymandistillery.com. Those interested in the pilgrimage, just a reminder that registration for the pilgrimage will open this coming Monday. 718 July 18th at 11 a.m. Central and 12 p.m. Eastern. It's probably going to go fast, so be by your computers if you're interested in this one and enjoy the Open Championship. 